welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. Let's pray. Father, Father, we're so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful for your love, Lord God. We're so grateful for what you're doing in us and through us, Lord God, in the city and in the nations. We ask, Lord God, that you would come and that you would awaken our hearts again today. Lord, I pray and I release a fresh hunger for you, Lord God, over every person here. Lord, revive us again in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was saying in, in my group, um, my highlight for the week, and this is not going to come as a shock to those of you who've been hanging around me the last two weeks, has been just watching the Asbury revival in the United States of America. And has anyone actually gone online and, and watched a little bit of it? You know, it's just been phenomenal. Um, I told Debs it's a, it's a tailor-made revival for me because they're, they're singing songs from 30 years ago. Um, so, so I know all the words. I, I can't, I literally cannot tell you the words of the songs we just sang, but songs I used to sing when I was a student, I can probably sing them for you right now. Um, Ed will remember, um, actually when Ed was in our old worship band, Every now and then the worship band would just throw in a really old song for the pastor. <laughs> They'd come and tell me, we, we put one in for you, pastor. <laughs> Thanks a lot. But it's been amazing because I've been so struck by some of the, by what God is doing in this, in this group of students. And from what I understand, Asbury um, is a Christian university. But as with many Christian universities in, you know, in the United States of America, um, the, the students that come aren't necessarily Christians. They may come from Christian families or Christianized families, um, or they may just be coming because it's got a good reputation. And about 10 days ago, they had a chapel service. And in this, chap uh, in this chapel service, um, the person leading the service felt like he should just hand over the service and have someone come and share a testimony. And a young man got up and shared a testimony of what God had done in his life. And the anointing was so powerfully on his testimony, on his story of what God had done in his life that it touched someone else's heart. And they got up and, and said, this is what God's done in my life. And before they knew it, there was a queue of people coming to share testimonies and another queue of people saying, I want God to do in me what I hear God is doing in those, uh, in those people. And the presence of God just came. Manifest, the, uh, the, uh, the manifested presence of God just came into the, and no one wanted, the bell rang for, uh, for classes and no one left. Not, not a student, not a, uh, not a professor, no one left. And everyone, the, the reports are that everyone just has this strange longing to linger in the presence. One, uh, one academic spoke about, he heard that uh, this was going on. It was already into its third or fourth day. And he thought he'd just stick his nose in and go and see what was going on with these students who would not leave chapel. 
And um, so he went in for 10 minutes and found himself there an hour later with no desire to leave. And now, into its 10th day, I think actually 11th day, um, what, are we, what is it today? It's the 19th. So we are actually on the 11th day of this 24-7 worship service. Um, and it's uh, still going on. There are thousands of people outside the venue who can't get in. They've opened up two overflow facilities on, uh, on the campus, and the, the students and people are starting to come from all over the United States and all over the world have been, uh, started flying in to taste of the manifested presence of God. And, 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 you know, as I look at it, there's something that just comes alive in me because it shows you one thing, is that actually the, the answer to the heart cry of humanity is God's presence, is God himself. It's not, re- it's not religion. Religion and, and, you know, like principles, etc., can only guide you and help you to to a point, but the answer to the great hunger of humanity is Christ himself, is Jesus Christ. And you know, the thing is, I don't know about you, but when when I go to church, I do want to get something out of the message and uh, and everything, and I do want to hear a good word and be encouraged and, uh, and strengthened, but the thing that I am yearning for and longing for most of all is that my spirit would touch God's spirit, or God's spirit would touch my spirit. And that's what we're seeing in this outpouring at Asbury. And uh, it's now broken out from, uh, from what I can see in the media, is that 24 other colleges have now experienced similar moves of God. Colleges are sending delegations of students. They, they're just literally packing up buses and sending them to Asbury for a week or two, and telling them, go there and soak in that, and then come back and bring that to our, uh, to our college campus. And so 24 other universities have caught fire. And I want to tell you something. I believe that this is something that God is doing, that it's coming here to South Africa too. That I'm, I'm telling you now, that in, within a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, that we're going to start hearing uh, test me's and revival uh, of revival breaking out on our universities, on our colleges, in our schools, and in our cities, and in our churches. Revival is coming. The Holy Spirit has been speaking for a number of years about revival coming and hitting the earth. In fact, um, in 2019, I had, a, uh, I, had, I had this dream, and I've told you this dream many times before. I keep on coming back to this because... It encourages it, it encouraged me while it was discouraging me at certain times. And in this dream in 2019, I was walking down the beach, and uh, I looked uh, I looked at the sea. And the next thing I saw coming out of the sea, I saw this massive tidal wave coming. <laughs> Terrifying tidal wave started coming, and I looked at it and I realized, man, I can't I can't get away from it. I can't run inland to get away from it. So I thought that what I'd do is I'd try and do the old surfer trick of diving into a wave and go through it. So I just ran at this wave and I 
dived into it, hoping to go all the way through and be saved from this wave. But unfortunately, all I did was I just plugged myself solidly into the tide. And I, this, this dream was so vivid and so real. I can even remember parts, I mean, visualize it in my mind now. And I plugged myself in the wave, and then the wave just went up and up, and I went up and up, and it got taller and taller and taller, until I found myself right on the top of this wave, and the wave literally seemed to be stratospheric. It literally felt like I was, gonna, I was going out into space, and I'm looking down at, as this wave began to curl, and I just thought to myself, that's it, I'm dead. I'm dead. When, when this wave breaks, I'm dead. I'm dead, and I, I just gave up all hope. I was like, I'm going to die now. And the next thing, the wave broke, and I found myself standing in, in California. And I asked someone, I said, well, where am I? They said, you're in Davos, California. And uh, after I woke up, I actually Googled it. There is no place, Davos, California. But I woke up, and then I just started uh, preaching the gospel. I, just, I started grabbing people and telling them about, uh, about Jesus and telling them about the love of God and God's plan. And this one guy looked at me and said, listen, why are you so passionate about Jesus? I said, dude, did you not see me arrive? I came by wave. I didn't take a plane. I came by tidal wave, buddy. And I started preaching the gospel, and then I woke up. And since that time, I've really been meditating on this dream and thinking about what it meant. And of course, um, the, the seas in the, in the Bible, the seas speaks about the nations. When, when, you, when you see anything in, the, uh, in pro, uh, prophetic words about the, the tossing of the waves of the sea, it's speaking about turmoil in the nations. And so 2020 hit, and I began to understand um, the first part of that dream, that a massive tidal wave was coming, that, that God was going to do something so extraordinary in the nations of the earth. And, uh, and of course, COVID hit, but along with COVID COVID, COVID was more than a pandemic. COVID was a movement in the, uh, in the world that shifted things. It shifted things economically. It shifted things politically. It, sh uh, it shifted uh, things in just the way people think. The way we've done life and the way people think about life has been altered by, uh, by COVID. Not only that, but spiritually and churches have been radically impacted in the way they approach life. We, we have a more global perspective in some ways and a more insular perspective in, uh, in other ways. And so as I went through COVID, that dream encouraged me because I thought, you know what? The Lord told me that this was coming. And he told me that I thought I might die. How many of you during COVID remember just the weird, pervasive fear that settled on the, uh, on the world because of COVID? And, and, and fear literally just came into the world. And I can remember in that dream, just looking down, thinking, I'm going to die. And there were times during COVID, I thought, man, I, I hope I don't die. I hope my family don't die, where there was so much fear around. But then as suddenly... As COVID came, it was, it, it, it's gone. I mean, it, it's, it's out there, but it's not, it's not a big feature of our life. But Davos is this, the, the place where the World Economic Forum happens. And Davos, I think, speaks about a global shift in the economy. 
God has shifted the uh, global economy and he's shaken the world economy in such a way that actually this generation and this generation of people on the earth are more open now to spiritual things. Interestingly, I was listening to Sean Baltz on his podcast um, a week ago, and Sean was saying that the um, Barna Foundation has done has recently released a survey showing that this generation are crying out and saying they are spiritually hungry. For the first time in 40 years, more people are saying that they're spiritually hungry than those who are saying that they're not. They're not interested. There is a spiritual hunger that God is releasing on the earth. But you know the exciting thing about that is, is that God never stirs up hunger if he does not intend to meet it. That is, that's the exciting thing. God is releasing hunger in the hearts of people. COVID, in some senses, it's, it, it shook us and took away our complacency. Took away just that, oh, life's just going to go on like this forever. And it shook so many things that now people are stepping back and saying, there has to be more than this. I believe that God is still sovereign and he has a plan for the nations. And so I, I've been researching about revival. Um, another interesting thing happened and another prophetic word uh, related. Uh, Bob Jones, about 20 years ago, prophesied. Bob Jones was a, a well-known uh, prophet, a globally um, well, um, well-respected, renowned prophet, um, just had incredible prophetic words. And uh, he, he kind of like, yeah, yeah kind of scratch your voice like this. And he, he released a prophetic uh, word years and years ago saying that when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl in the United States, now listen, don't, don't get me started. I don't, I don't know anything about sport or I'm not even actually entirely sure which sport I'm talking about. But I know the prophetic word that when the, uh, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it would be a sign that God is raising up new apostolic chiefs around the world and that he was beginning a one billion soul harvest. Well, interestingly enough, the chiefs just won in the United States of America. And the week after, the Asbury revival began. Now that is interesting. In 20 years. 20 years. No, no, I think even longer. So... So the first time in 30 years, I mean, it sounds like God had to do a miracle for this team to win. But anyway, um, I, I don't know them, but it, it's, it sounds like it. And so it's just interesting that, uh, that this is happening. In, um, interestingly enough, this college, Asbury College, um, it is, has a history of revival. It has been associated with revivals going back to 1905. Periodically, there's an outbreak of the Holy Spirit in the, that draws people back into intimacy with God, that draws people uh, away from just living a mediocre Christian life or a going through the, uh, through the motions. The last time it happened was in 1970. And in 1970, this might sound slightly familiar, a student got, uh, uh, someone was leading the service and felt moved to share their testimony. They shared their, uh, shared their uh, testimony, and um, after they shared their testimony, someone was touched by that and shared their testimony. Before they knew it, they went into 150 hours of revival. 
exactly the same thing, breaking out. And then teams went out from, the, uh, from this, uh, uh, this college and spread out across the United States. As a result of that, they say about 100,000 people were swept into the kingdom in the next six months. Just in their movement, in their, in their movement. That wasn't even counting the Southern Baptist uh, um, movement that also got touched. One of the testimonies that came out of that revival um, just really, uh, really moved me. They started sending out teams of young students. And the reason I tell you this is we need to understand that, that it's, it's not education. It's not, it, it's not what, you don't have to be a particular age or, or, or educate. What you need to have is God on you. You need to be open to carry the manifested presence of God and God will move you. And these two students went to a, another university a little while away, uh, a, a week into the revival, and they met this guy and he was the leader of the Nazarene movement of churches in the United States of America. And he was the president and uh, he got there and his associate pastor came to him just before the service and said, Sir, pastor, there are these two young men here from uh, the college of Asbury. And they say that God is moving and God has visited the campus and they, they, they want to come and tell us about it. And listen, as a pastor, nothing makes you a little bit, makes you more nervous than two random people pitching up and saying they want to share. You don't generally just give your pulpit over. So he went to them, well, bring them in. And they said, listen, this is what is happening. God has visited our campus. Now, he had a special service lined up. He had a guest speaker, a revivalist, and he had a, uh, a quartet, as they did in the 1970s, who were coming to minister in, 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 in music. And, uh, and then these two kids arrived. And he's like, well, tell me about it. And they say, he says, well, um, we've got a special service. He, and they said, listen, it's okay. God told us to come and to tell you what, uh, what God is doing. We're clean. We've obeyed. Now that will make a pastor even more nervous. And he thought about it. He said, okay, I tell you what, I'll give you five minutes in the evening service. And he looked back at him and said, it's okay. You don't even have to give us uh, five minutes. God told us to come and tell you, we've done our bit. They said, okay, very well. Anyway, they got up that, uh, that evening. The one guy got up and he shared for about a minute and 40 seconds. He said, God has come. This is what he did in my life. This is what's happening on the, uh, on the campus. God is visiting us. And this is the impact on my life. And he sat down. The second student got up and he shared for a total of four minutes. And then he sat down. And the pastor said, when they sat down, he heaved a sigh of relief and he went, oh, okay. Got that out the way. I've obeyed the Lord. It's fine. We can move on with the usual program. And so the quartet got up to, uh, to play their, uh, their music. They got up, played one song, and suddenly the bassist put his bass down and he said, I can't go on any longer. I need God to do in me what he has done in that young man there. And he walked down from the stage and knelt down in front of this young man and asked for prayer. Before they knew it, there was a queue of people out the church. The service continued. There were more people in the church at 10 o'clock than there were at 8 o'clock. And the revival broke out in that, in that church. Just as they, these people were obedient to carry the manifested presence of God. I want to tell you 
this chief's word is exciting. But there's another word that I'm contending for. There's another word that we're contending for. There's a word about revival breaking out in Cape Town. There's a word about revival breaking out at the tip of, uh, of Africa. And that it is destined to break out in Af uh, at the tip of Africa. Now listen, where do you think this tip could be? I mean, there's the harbor right there. <laughs> I'm contending it for it to break out right here. Amen? In fact, my prayer is, Lord, let's start right here. Right here. And this spot, Jesus. As I hope you're praying the same thing. That God would begin with us, that God would begin with me, and that we would see a one billion soul harvest. Because I want to tell you that the answer to South Africa's challenges and Africa's challenges is Jesus Christ and His presence. The thing that you are longing for most desperately in your life is not money, not impact, not power, but to know God, to really know God. Those students, I, I'm so struck as I, as I watch the videos of thousands of people, young and old, kneeling at the altar, singing simple songs, and they will not leave because they've encountered Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the heart cry of man and the answer to every challenge facing humanity today. Even, even as I watch the last, couple of, uh, the last couple of years, the last decade, there's been, it seems to me, it feels like there's been an, an acceleration even in political unrest in nations. I see armies of young people marching in the streets and burning things and, and protesting about this and that. But when I look at that, what I see is I see a generation longing to make a difference. Longing for a better world. Longing for more justice. Longing for what they don't, they don't understand. What they're actually looking for is the kingdom of God manifested on earth. And that is what the, uh, what the presence of God brings. The presence of God right the way down through the centuries has launched armies of people. Well, I, well let me not use the word armies. In the, 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 yeah. hey? Companies of men and women who've gone out into the world and into the nations and made a tangible difference. And this is not new. This is not new. God is again at, move, uh, at, uh, at play. He's is, he is, he is, um, moving in the nations to raise up companies of people to go out into the world and change the world. And he's calling you. And he's calling you. He's calling you to be one who will carry his presence. He's calling you to be one who will open your heart to his presence and open your mouth to speak his word, to call people in to the fullness of what God is wanting to do. You know, the presence of God is the heart cry of humanity because without God, man is truly lost. Man is truly lost. In the sense that they're looking for home. See, this is the, it's so amazing. When I watch this revival, it seems like more happens by accident than was ever happening on purpose. 
Because when God comes, something gets set right in the heart of man and people run to God. You don't have to convince them. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm in some ways, I'm more impressed by the people outside the hall than the people inside the hall. There's 3,000 people, plus or minus, standing outside in freezing cold temperatures, hoping to get in. Sheesh! There are more people not going to that church than going to this one. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? I remember when I went to the Pensacola revival in, in uh, 1992. It, one of the things that struck me the most and still strikes me to this day is that we would queue from 12 o'clock in the afternoon to get a seat in the church. Queuing to get into church. It's amazing. So what are some of the characteristics of what we're seeing God pour out at Asbury? We're seeing people just walk out and say there's just such peace. There's just peace in His presence. People walk in there and they say all the anxiety in, this, in their mind, in their soul, in their heart, in their body just seems to drain out of them. Because there's peace in His presence. <laughs> he is the Prince of Peace. Man, I, I, I listen to that. And when, I, when I hear that, I go, Oh God, let that fall on Cape Town, the whole city. Imagine a city under the influence of the Prince of Peace. Imagine that. Not only that, but because this is ongoing and people don't want to leave, they're getting hungry and thirsty. Volunteers have just been arriving and sitting up outside with uh, making coffee and giving out water and bringing food. God's just providing. People walk in. Walk in you hungry? You hungry? And they're giving out food, giving out coffee. Because they're so committed to wanting this to go on, and they're seeing the, uh, the blessing. Not only that, people are repenting. When I went to the uh, Pensacola revival in 1992, there would be nights when the presence of God would come so powerfully that people would weep under conviction of sin. So, so much that they had services where the carpet at the, front of the, at the front of the auditorium was soggy afterwards. It was wet with tears. Think about that. Tears. And, and you know, I can remember hearing about that. Um, and when I went, I went for two, uh, two nights. It was one of the funniest things of my life. The the evangelist came out. He began to do an altar call. He called out every sin you could imagine. Literally every sin you could imagine. And I can remember sitting there as a pastor feeling fine. I was good. I was a pastor. I'd been a Christian for many years. I was a leader. And I was just interested in this phenomenon of revival. Until the presence of God came in. As the presence of God rolled across that auditorium. Suddenly, man, I felt my sin like I was an axe murderer. And I, I went to the front and I began to repent of everything I could think of. I repented of knowing people who had thought of sinning. <laughs> Literally, man, and the, the conviction 
that the sense of being in God's presence, I didn't have to be convinced to repent. I repented of things I thought of maybe possibly one day doing. I wanted to repent. It was so profound. And I did it wholeheartedly, quickly. And it wasn't even so much the fear of God. It was just I needed to get right with God. The next night I went and I felt really confident because the previous night I, I had repented so well. It was, I mean, you know, it is like... I know, in fact, um, that's, that's a bad illustration. Put it this way. I felt like I flushed everything out of my system spiritually. So I, in the next night, I was leaning at the back, watching the altar call again, confident because I had repented so well the night before. And he did the altar call again. And once again, the manifested presence of God came into the room. And as that presence came... I felt the presence come past me and immediately again, I was convicted by the fact that I had been watching way too much television. That was my big sin. I was like, whoa, I've been watching so much TV. And it felt to me like the most horrible, nasty sin in that moment. No one said, hey, I don't think he even called out television. But for me, it was like, television! And I ran down the aisle to get right with God. Tripped just before I got to the front and crash landed in front of the pulpit. And, the, and, the, and you know, the, the evangelist started like, and I think at the time he was calling out rape or murder, so he probably looked like, ah, it's me! You know, it, it, I can remember actually thinking, oh, I hope my church don't get the video of this. They're going to see Pastor Nigel running down to repent. You know what? When God's presence comes, people turn to God. They turn to God. Because actually, you don't want your sin. Most people don't realize this. You don't want your sin. Your sin is just taking the place. It's covering up the longing and the yearning in your heart to truly know God, to be connected to His life, to be connected to His love. This is why we need to become people who would ask God, Lord, that we would carry your presence. Because it's possible for human beings to carry his presence in such a way that, that, that people coming into your presence will instinctively get right with God. It's said of, of Charles Finney that he would at times pass through a city and the city would move into revival. There were recorded instances of him going through on a train through a city. And as he passed through, the city would move into revival. Because such was the presence of God in his life. Another aspect I'm seeing is just extraordinary humility. If you go, if you go, go and ask someone, who's the leader of the Asbury revival? And you will hear, I don't know. Who's, who's leading? I don't know. Who's leading worship? I don't know. It kind of rotates. In, 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 in terms of flashiness, it's just not there. I mean, the, mu the music, in all honesty, sometimes is quite shocking. It, it is. You know what? I would actually feel fairly confident leading the worship at times. And that's saying something. But there's this 
beauty of just bringing their hearts before the Lord. And it's spreading. It's spreading. I love the fact that actually um, I remember praying and prophesying a decade ago that revival is coming in the nations of the earth. That's going to hit the news. That it's going to be in the nightly news. Well, already all the major news channels in the United States are reporting about the Asbury revival. Fox News had a, uh, had a, a report on it. Tucker Carlson uh, uh, spoke, uh, spoke about it. And some of the other um, more liberal networks are also talking about it. Because they can't believe what's happening. When the Asbury revival hit in 1970, it was the number two news story across the United States for, uh, for a three-week period. So what does this say for us? This is what it says. It's time for us to position ourselves to catch the wave when it comes. Because a wave is coming. A wave is coming. And if you catch this wave of revival, I want to tell you, this might be the most significant thing that ever happens in your life. This may be. This is the heart cry that you have been longing for it, whether you know it or don't know it, for your whole life. Because you were created to know God and to know His love and His presence. You were created to carry His love and His presence. So how do we do that? Well, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, strikes me as an appropriate scripture at this time. If my people who are called by my name Will humble, will, uh, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Now, I don't know how are the roots of this particular revival, but the 1970s revival, one of the things that happened beforehand was there was a young person on campus who got a vision to start praying. And so she, she made a covenant with God to pray for 30 days. For 30 minutes. Just 30 minutes a day. For the next 30 days, she decided to pray for revival on her campus. So she started praying. And after 30 days, she found a group of six friends. And she said, let's, let's believe together for revival on our campus. Let's just pray for the next 30 days. For 30 minutes. Let's ask God to do something special on our campus. And so they started doing that. And they went to, and they, uh, and they, they broke, uh, they broke for um, break. They had a, a vac during that time. And these people went home. When they came back, those six um, students had all gathered six other students. And they, they prayed for 30 minutes for 30 days. And they got to the end of the, uh, those 30 days, those, what, six groups of six, that's 36 students, they were just praying. And on that last night, as they were praying, one of them said, I feel like the Holy Spirit just told me that it's starting tomorrow. Revival will start tomorrow. Sure enough, the 3rd of February, 1970, uh, in 1970, their chapel <laughs> service broke into revival that touched the earth. You know, I want to tell you that we don't make the difference. It's Holy Spirit. 
It's, it's not in our preaching. It's not in our music. It's not in our cleverness. Um, not in our boldness or anything. It's in actually positioning ourselves with humility to, to cry out to God. That's what's going to make the difference. So that's the first thing that I think that we need to do. As we, as we see the wave coming, let's begin praying. Can I ask you to start praying? Maybe t- take 30 minutes a day. Just start asking God for revival. If you have to, just start by saying, God, revive me. Lord, make me hungry again for you to know you. Make me hungry. Lord, deal with me where I've become stale, where I've become cynical. Lord, revive me. And then once you prayed that, start praying for the city. Amen? Second thing is humility. And, you know, humility is is that thing where you actually just recognize your immense need for God. Your, Your need for God to step in because actually you just don't have it all together. Amen? Thirdly, repentance. This is a time to repent. This is a time to repent. And, and I've, I've been finding, like I, I got there and I just started just repenting for, you know, wrong attitudes, disappointment, bitterness, bad attitudes towards people who've hurt me, etc. I just I just found myself wanting to Wanting to just deal with stuff in my life. Now, can I encourage you? Like, this is not meant to be in any way a um, condemning sermon, but I want, I want to tell you that there's stuff that we just let accumulate in our lives. And we think, I really should deal with that. Does anyone ever really should deal with that? It's like when your room starts getting a little bit untidy, um, you leave a little bit of untidiness on your desk and it, it, it attracts friends. And before you know it, your desk is lost and you know you go like, you think I really should deal with that. And then it takes just one day where you go, okay, right, mate, this is the time. This is the time to deal with stuff. This is the, st- the time. Hunger. Hunger is a way to position yourself for revival. To come back to God and say, Lord, I'm going to prioritize you. I'm going to prioritize you. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make you the top of my agenda again. For some of us, that, that involves remembering when, <laughs> I mean, not for all of us, but for some of us, I remember when I first got born again, and I was an 18-year-old young man. I remember there was nothing I wouldn't do for the presence of God. So important. And then after a while, you can end up being an expert in God. <laughs> I've got a PhD in God. I've been a Christian for a long time. And you, can, and you look at the young and the passionate and you think, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> no, it's not cute. It's hungry. And it's glorious. And it's wonderful. Let the Lord revive your hunger again. Cast off your cynicism. Cast off your, your jadedness. And, and do again the things that, that once Burn like fire in you. Amen? And finally, the last thing I want to say and for all of us is let's prioritize His presence. Let's prioritize His presence. See, for me, that's what Christianity is really about. I mean, I love church and I love everything that goes with it. 
but God's presence, Jesus himself, when I can feel him and know him, when I can release him and, 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 and pray for people to encounter God's love and his presence, that's why we're alive. That's why we're alive. We're not alive just to be nicer people. We're not alive just to abide by certain principles. We're alive to live in, to know, and to release His presence everywhere we go. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, we are so hungry for You, Lord. Oh God, break our hearts again to know you. Stir up our spirits and our souls again for more of you, Lord God. Break off of us, Lord God, any coldness, hardness, cynicism, bitterness, disappointment, competition, sin, apathy, and open our spirits and our hearts to see you, to know you, to love you, Lord God, that we might live the life that we have been created for. God, our prayer for our city is that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on Cape Town in the way that you have been speaking of for the last hundred years, Lord God, and like Asbury, or, or similarly, Lord, maybe you have something unique for this city. Lord, but we pray for your presence on this city. And on our church, on each family and each of us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.